This podcast is brought to you by Cougar Radio. What's going on, Cougars? This is Ray Torsha. Welcome to week three of the Torch Report. This week, we welcome Kennedy English teacher, Mrs. Metcalf. Mrs. Metcalf was a three-year varsity field hockey player at East Greenwich High School in Rhode Island, where she received all division and all state honors in both her junior and senior years. She traveled with three different field hockey teams to different parts of the United States, including Cape Cod, Maryland, and Florida. She was selected for the Junior Olympics at one of those tournaments. Mrs. Metcalf earned a full ride to Hofstra University and played center midfielder until she tore her ACL two weeks into her sophomore season. Thanks for joining us, Mrs. Metcalf. How are you feeling today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Excited? The nerves are a little high? Super. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely actually a shy person. You, you yeah. gotta say, I am shy. So first, we'll start off with your field hockey career, but first I wanted to know if you played sports other than field hockey. I did. I played basketball, but back when I was growing up, kids didn't start with travel and everything so young, so mm-hmm. I didn't start organized sports until eighth grade. So I tried out for the basketball team. Uh, We played intramurals before that. And then I tried out for softball my eighth grade year as well. And I was cut. So no spring sports, but just the fall and and winter. And then you always played field hockey or you started that later? So we started in intramural. It was my high school coach was the uh, phys ed teacher in the middle school. And so she started an intramural program, which was co-ed. And so you would play in your gym class, and then you'd stay after school and play. And so that was my introduction to the sport. So I didn't start till seventh grade. Where did you learn to love the game so much to go on and play in college and stuff? It was actually that coach. I wasn't even going to try out. Everyone went to summer, uh, I was gonna say summer school, <laughs> summer camp um, before freshman year, and I didn't. So I wasn't going to try out. And she called me, and she's like, "Jess, are you?" coming to the tryout, right? And I was like, no, I didn't go to camp. And she, no, you have to come. I'll set you up with a senior. You'll be fine. Because again, it was still a new sport. And it's really unlike, I think, so many other sports because it's not like soccer where you started playing when you're four. People are starting so much later and yet you're still finding success. So um, with the JV program and then some um, exterior training that we did as a team, that was really it. I've never watched or played it before, but it, from what I've seen on the internet, it looks really fun. Like, I wish there was a boys team, like, well, for at new schools and stuff. Yeah. What's amazing about that is it is actually predominantly a male sport yeah. around the world. And so it's, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous sports because you don't really have equipment. Like, you wear shin guards and you wear a mouth guard. Yeah. And that's it. So, like, in college, I had to stand inside the cage next to my goalkeeper, and you can chip shot at like 90 miles an hour at your face. And if someone hits me in the face, they get the ball back yeah. and I have plastic surgery. Yeah. <laughs> so here at uh, Belmore, Belmore Merrick, we don't have a field hockey team. Can you tell us, you know, do you think we should? Obviously you probably do, but but why? And it, it's almost like, I feel like it's almost like hockey and soccer in one. It almost. is. Yeah, yeah so. it's 11 people on a side. It is very much like soccer, even though everyone thinks it's like hockey. It's really not. And just a quick side note, Mr. Delolio and I both tried to start a team way back, um, but they ended up uh, doing badminton instead. But it is a super fun sport. And another side note, that when I was in high school, a guy actually was playing on one of the girls' teams because he was from a foreign country and grew up playing 
Um, but it is, you know, it's an interesting sport that I think would give kids an opportunity to start being athletes in the middle school, where I think you guys would all agree that if you're not playing lacrosse by the time you're seven, you're never catching up, you know? Yeah. With the Junior Olympic Olympics, how did that work out for <laughs> you with the uh, that whole idea and everything? Because that's pretty impressive. Well, it's a very funny story, right? Quite sad. I was in Maryland, and we were at the national tournament, and you get selected as an individual, and you have to stay after the tournament. And my parents and I were exhausted. It's a long weekend. And two of my other teammates were there as well playing for the same team. And so my friend Marcy was like, yeah, I'm going to stay. And I was like, I'm not going to stay. I didn't like it. That's ridiculous. So we drove home from Maryland to Rhode Island, and she called me when I got home because this is pre-cell phones. And she's like, Jess, you made the team. And I was like, what? But you can't actually make the team if you didn't stay. So life lesson there. Have faith in yourself that you could actually do what seemed like crazy things. So my friend ended up going to the Junior Olympics. I didn't go. I just was selected. And then, you know, they had to give my spot to someone else. Do you, you, you probably regret that to this day? Or? I regret it, but I think I'm still always shocked that I was selected, yeah. that it's like still a nice compliment. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that fueled me in yeah. my, you know, my regular season when I got back. So I'm getting, it's obviously a lot of traveling and everything. Was that challenging for you to balance your academics and athletic in, on both sides or? The traveling for me didn't really start until college. Like, yes, I went to those tournaments that you mentioned, but that was all uh, like during summer break or, you know, it was never during a school day that I had to travel. Um, so in college, it was interesting because you have training you know you're going to be missing all these days make sure you speak with your professors and I remember the first professor I spoke to and I said you know we're going to California I have my first field hockey game and he was furious and he was like I don't care I don't care that you have to go away you're missing this class and I was like oh my gosh so I think it can be challenging when you are traveling especially if you don't have people who are respecting what your schedule is there's no obviously control over I have over the schedule but um you know, traveling and juggling academics is really hard because you're living on a bus. But again, that's the college time. You don't have parent supervision. It's easy to sleep through those bus rides and not get your work done. So it, it is challenging. Did you ever miss a lot of work? Or Yeah, I missed it, but it, it was not hard to make up because in college, you know, you're most likely you have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class or you have a Tuesday, Thursday. That's how my schedule always worked. So maybe I missed one of those classes. Um yeah, it was, it was actually probably harder that you were waking up for like a 6 a.m. practice and then going to class all day and then coming home and doing all of that work to then just do it again. Were any of your professors like lenient? You said your first one wasn't. Were any of them were like, just forget it? Or? Never a just forget it, but I had one professor. It was, uh, he was my, my Chaucer class. It was a, my hardest class. It's like a foreign language if you've ever read anything by him. And I, that was the year I tore my ACL. So <coughs> I was crutching to class every single day, and he was not an athlete at all, uh, and he loved the fact that I was, he saw me as being so tough, and he's like, wow, I can't believe you're still coming to you know, class all the time, and, and he was very nice and very kind to me during that time, but that didn't necessarily affect my grade. Yeah. Yeah. So what you mentioned the ACL, ACL tear rehab, a lot of football players you're seeing now, not ACL, but Aaron Rodgers tore his mm -hmm. Achilles every week they're tearing ACLs. How is that rehab going for you? Because I know it's a tough, that's like they say it's the toughest for an athlete to come back from. Yeah, it was really tough too because I was by myself, meaning I wasn't at home. So since I am from Rhode Island 
and I was here, it's like I tore my ACL two weeks before my preseason. So I did that at home and then had to have my surgery at home and then drive back to college. I didn't obviously drive myself. And then I was in the dorm by myself with all of the the dressings that I had to change and all the icing. I lost so much weight because I was just nauseous all the time. It was it was a lot emotionally to take on. And then the rehab, I never really got back to like 180 because you'd have to lay on your stomach with weights on your ankles to try and straighten your leg out. And I would just cry the whole time. <laughs> Honestly, it was horrible. But I feel like it probably took six months for me to really be able to run without being afraid that I was going to fall. Yeah, I just... Hearing like that and then knowing from other people, like, I, it's probably, like, one of my worst fears is to do that. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, I think you come back stronger, too, yeah. because your rehab, you have to rehab so many different muscles just to protect that area yeah. that now, you know, the, the muscle strength that you have, you do feel like you're going to be fine the second time around. So being from Rhode Island and then coming down, obviously you probably liked it here because you're still here. Yeah. What was that like <laughs> from moving from Rhode Island to Long Island? Uh, it was very different. I, you know, Rhode Island, you can imagine, very small town feel. Um, there was definitely a culture shock. I was, you know, I'm holding the door for everyone. And I'm like, you know, it's the hustle and bustle of Long Island. It's not a city, but it certainly felt like a city to yeah. me. So, yeah, it was definitely different. The people different at all? I know, like, sometimes you go upstate and then, like, they're like, oh, they're so much different from. Yes. Like, again, Rhode Island, I still struggle with this when I drive on Long Island. We just have rules, these unspoken rules. When you're driving, if you're at a red light, you always let the person who wants to cross the lane, you know, like to, they're, if they're taking yeah, a yeah. left-handed turn, you always let them go. Where here, I'll be like waving, go, you can go. And they're looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And then everyone's blaring their horns. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, so it, it is different. I mean, in Rhode Island, you say hello to everyone. You yeah. just walk down the street and you just try to be polite. So I still have that in me. <laughs> <laughs> so back to field hockey, you probably learned a lot of life skills, but – could you just describe them for us? And Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. I feel like my experiences, even in basketball, because I wasn't, I wasn't the best. I was like a, a backup point guard. Um, you learn about failure so much through sports. And I think that being able to fail gracefully, like as an athlete, you're going to fail all the time. You're going to be passed over for things. You're also going to have all those positive moments where someone takes the time to say, hey, you're worth this. You should try this. And again, having strangers picking you for things, that really is uplifting. But it's an opportunity, I think, to become a leader. And, you know, a, a someone who's in a classroom, you know, amongst 20-something other kids, you know, you might get lost where on the field, if you can just push a little bit farther, you know, you can get recognition that maybe you wouldn't have gotten in an academic realm. Did you have any, like, role models th that helped you th throughout your career? Or? Yeah, um, more like in hindsight, uh, my high school coach that I had mentioned, she was super tough. And if she complimented you, you know you earned that compliment. And I, I really feel like I'm kind of like that as a teacher too, that I don't want to blow smoke. You know, I want you to, I set a goal, I teach you how to get there and I'm super proud of you when you get there. I think that's such a validating process. In addition to that, I've spoken to my own parents about this a lot. When I was passed over for things and I was frustrated about playing time or things like that, um, my parents never validated that. I don't know if that sounds weird, but they weren't like, oh, your coach is the worst. Because I think if they had said, yeah, your coach, that's not fair, I would have been like, yeah, that's not fair, where they just listened and they let me have my feelings, and then I'd go back to practice, like, all right, well, I better find a way to 
you know, expose that I'm actually good and I should be in there too. So I, I found that to be really admirable as well. Yeah, I do. I do agree with that. I think that's the best kind of coaching and teaching is hard. You know, I'd like when my coaches even are hard on me, it fuels me to, to prove them wrong almost, but always have that relationship with them. Yes. I always say I'd rather be an underdog yeah. than the person who's supposed to be perfect. Like yeah. think that I can't do it and then watch me do it. Exactly. Yeah. So w- what do you think is the value of being a student athlete? Even from, we probably answered this, but just the value of being a student athlete, not just an athlete. Yeah, the student athlete means it's what you expect. It's time management. It's learning to prioritize. Like I'll even tell my students, you're not robots, and so you're not going to be able to do everything, and you have to be comfortable with saying, I can't get everything done, and I have to do what's most important now and then you know, move on from there. Um, but again, I, I do think it's like it's the confidence that you build as someone who can juggle a lot of different things. And again, if you can't find success on the field, maybe you can find it in the classroom. If you can't find it in the classroom, you can find it on the field. I think maybe most the team aspect is the best thing. You yeah. know, I, 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 That's what I miss desperately, is just having a group of people who have the same experience, the same struggles. You really can't duplicate that anywhere else, I think. Yeah, no, I... Even like last year's football team, like we just had so many like fun. Like we didn't win many games, but we just had so much fun together. It yeah, was it's like all the memories. Yeah, it's perfect. So you did go to Hofstra. Did you? You knew you wanted to be an English teacher straight off the bat, or I did. Yes, I remember vividly. Tenth grade, uh, my English teacher was asking a question. He had given us a poem, and I, like I said originally, I'm a, I'm a shy person, so I would not raise my hand. But he was asking what the poem meant, and I read the poem. I was like, I think I really do. I raised my hand, I took a chance, and I, I said, I really think that this poem is about, and I just kind of walked through what I thought the plot was. In hindsight, it wasn't that spectacular what I did, but the teacher was like, yes, that's right. And all my friends were like, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't know. How did I know that? And so, again, we gravitate toward things that we think we're good at. And I love to read, so it just made sense to try to promote that in other kids. I hate, I hate, like. Don't say it, Ray. No, I just it. I hate like when, <laughs> especially when I don't know when my teacher Sorry, calls me. you say you hate reading? <laughs> yeah, no, I hate that too. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your goals though? Like, when you want to be a teacher, like, what do you when you come in every day? Like, what do you want to hit on your students? And then, I think let me start with I think that I have a reputation of for being really hard, which is accurate. But I think too, my students see that I care most about them and their progress. So. I'm not there to rub in your face that you don't know something. I want to know that you don't know it. I want you to be able to tell me you don't know it. And then I tell them, I jokingly say, I'm so arrogant that I'm going to figure this out. We're going to figure out a way to do this. I care so much about process. It's training, right? So just like you can train for a a game, you train for whatever that skill is in the classroom. Because what I want is for my students to leave independent and proud and saying, wow, I put in that work. You know, earn that compliment at the end, just like I did with my coaches and know that you earned that. It wasn't just given to you. All right. I think that that sums it all up. Thanks for coming on. Right. Glad Thanks to have you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> all right. And now we're going to start talking sports with my broadcasting teacher, Mr. Seidman, his first appearance on season two of the podcast. How are you feeling today, Mr. I'm, Seidman? I'm glad to be here for season two. Glad we made it. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Season two's going well. I yeah. think you've had some good guests. Definitely. Good interview with Mrs. Metcalf. Yeah. Or I think what I like the most is I don't, I haven't, the first three guests, like last year, I kind of knew them. I haven't mm-hmm. really known any of them, so it's nice to to get to know new people yeah. and people around the building. Yeah, see? Explore it a little, right? Yeah. Um, should we talk a little football? Yeah, of course. I'm always Are you worried about your Giants? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I am pretty worried. Uh, what is your biggest concern right now as a Giants fan? I think it's Evan Neal. I think he – you see what he was saying with the – They could boo us all they yeah, want. And yeah, and he was, like, saying, like, the people criticize him or flipping burgers and hot dogs. Like, <laughs> he's been terrible. He's I been know. so bad. I, I'm I'm worried. He's I an example of, of, of what I say often. Drafts are overrated. Yeah. He came out of where Alabama, right? Yeah, Alabama. And and he was hyped as this, you know, the this this great lineman and he was gonna be such a huge piece. Uh, Leonard Williams is the same way. When the Jets got Leonard Williams, yeah. right? It was like, Oh my god, he fell, like USC, the Jets have these gonna have these three great pieces on the line and he too has just been He's been he's good for the Giants, Williams. He has been better for the Giants he's than, been he's good. than he was for the Jets. That's they for sure. They Different from their offensive line, their defensive line is very good. Dexter Lawrence is incredible. Mm-hmm. W- Williams is good. Thibodeau's had a slow start. He had a sack Monday night, but he's been slow. Last, I was expecting him to have a big year. He hasn't been really doing anything. W- what's your biggest concern then as a Giants fan? The quarterback? No, because the offensive line, listen, everyone's like, oh, you brought in, you got Saquon, you got Darren Waller. They don't have an o- a real wide receiver one, but the thing is, like, the offensive scheme, I don't think they're – like the wide receiver one doesn't fit, you mm-hmm. know. Like we don't really throw the ball. We don't really need like a Jamar Chase or anything. Um, it's then, like confusing almost. And then what? What do you? What do you think they they do about Saquon after this season? I think you got to bring him back. You know, he's a hometown guy. He's been here through the ups and downs. You know, last year we make the playoffs up, but we were terrible ever since. So that's down. I I think he's like. The definition of a guy you just want in your locker room. Even what he does on the field is great, but in the locker room, he's a good guy too. So I think he's just a guy you want around in your building. And to see him, like he'll go to a contender and he'll play really mm-hmm. good, and like it's just gonna suck to see. So right. I think you got to bring him back. And I think it's evident that when he's not on the field with the Giants, look at how their offense right. does. Like it's not. I know, but that's the problem when he's not in the field. He's 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 injured more often than not. So yeah. to sign him to a long term deal, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't sign him to like a four or five year deal. Well, I don't I know if he's going to want anything less than a four year deal. That, I think that's part of the reason why they they couldn't sign him this off season. I think these run, these running backs want they have they have um they have short shelf lives. Yeah. So like they want long term deals. And I mean the Jets are sort of realizing with Dalvin Cook he has not played well, and there's a reason why no one else signed him. Yeah. He's just in in the NFL now, like you lose that step, you're you're not a starting running back yeah. anymore. As good as the offensive line is, so um, and especially running backs, it's just it's outside of like Derrick Henry, like yeah. I, I feel like there's just been just a huge turnover every yeah. couple of years with running backs. Not even it's every year. You look at it every yeah. year. I mean, look at the Rams, Kyron Williams, right? Last year, like I- every year, it's a new running back with a different team. Devon right. Ainchain. Like, two years from now, he'll probably be gone, and there'll be a new guy we're talking mm-hmm. about. So, I think, yeah, you're definitely right with that. But it, uh, I think Saquon's a different kind of player. Where well, right. When, But, again, the, the health is the issue. Yeah. It's right, because he, he, can, he, can, he can catch the ball. He can run. He's definitely more versatile. I mean, not to compare him, but he, he is more like of a Tyreek Hill, just utility player. He can play anything on offense. I don't think he's as good as Tyreek Hill, but also he just hasn't been as healthy. So, if he was healthy, perhaps – he would be. I, you don't. Dis- you don't agree with me. You're making a face. Um, no, but I'm not saying. But look at last year. Last year. Well, you think he's as good as Tyreek Hill? No, I don't think. I think Tyreek Hill's the best offensive player in football. Who's not playing quarterback right now? Jefferson's up there. Jefferson's up there, but I think Tyreek Hill's I, better. No, I, 
I'd agree. I mean, yeah. I think, it, I think it is Tyreek Hill. Um, I watched I, the Dolphins-Bills game this weekend, and that's really, like, even though the, the Bills really dominated on offense, that was the, the one, the great what if is, what if Kansas City kept him? And, of course, they didn't need to because they won a Super Bowl without him, and there it's more about the system. It's less about the, the roster, and it helps when you have, like, a once-in-a-generation quarterback. But uh, you watch the Dolphins. I, I mean, he's not just making plays. You feel like the, the the defense is making adjustments just where he is on the field yeah. that it allows the offense to to do things with guys like Waddle and and, and other players excel. So, um, um, but uh, yeah, but back to Saquon. I I just I don't I think they're going to be in a tough spot, especially with the amount of injuries and and so forth. As much as he's a homegrown guy or whatnot, again, like. The the SEC, you know, college football just yeah. produces these running backs yeah. so so often now, and to keep up I- is hard. Um, so uh, Giants are on one spot, and then of course the Jets are in a, a just a totally different spot. I I think the Jets should be positive though. Like as a Giants fan, I'm not too positive right now, and I think I don't like based on last year. Like I was so excited, but now I'm just like, all right, like come on, mm-hmm. like. No, I'm not, I'm not as a too Jets down fan, on the Jets. I think I've always liked Zach Wilson. Like, I'm not even being a bandwagon. I've always liked him. I'm not even a Jets fan. I've just always liked him. And he played well. Like, he doesn't drop that snap. I think they probably win that game. Mm-hmm. Was that Sunday night? Yeah. They probably win that game. I mean, some bad calls by the refs. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they should beat the Chiefs. Yeah. You got to, like, if the defense is going to be good enough where he could, if they could pull out a couple of wins, like, they should be in a playoff spot in the next year. Even towards the end of the year, you might get Aaron Rodgers back. So I think the Jets... Well, I'm not banking on that, but... Obviously. Th- right but now, it doesn't help to be one and three. Of course, I'd rather have a much... I would love to have beaten New England and be two and two right now, yeah. and I'd feel a lot better. They have to win this weekend against Denver. One, because they're a better team. But two, the following week, they play Philadelphia, and that's going to be a very tough um, matchup for them. Yeah. So I- if they come out of the first six weeks, two and four, the rest of their schedule is is, is not as bad. They they play, of course, the teams in the AFC East again, and I think they have teams um, like the Saints and other. The, the the schedule gets much better, and the AFC is a little more open than we thought, partially because the Bengals are not as good as we thought they were going to be. At least they're not off to a hot start. And um, you know, Ravens are good, Chiefs are good, but they're 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 definitely going to lose some games. So. Um, yeah, and I agree with you about Zach Wilson. Like, I, it's gonna. The weird thing is, Aaron Rodgers isn't retiring. So, what happens if Zach Wilson takes him to the playoffs? Right. Let's just say they get in as a wild card, and Aaron Rodgers is ready to play at the start of next season. Are you really? And the answer is yes. But you're really gonna put Zach Wilson back on the bench after he comes in and leads you to the playoffs and let Aaron Rodgers start? Because yeah. also Zach Wilson's gonna be up for a contract extension, I believe, after next season. Yeah. Right, always franchise tag him. Yeah, the thing with Rodgers too, though, is like, is he even obviously like like you said theoretically, like let's say Wilson gets him to the playoffs, I, you might have to keep Wilson in. Rodgers hasn't played. Aaron Rodgers, it's Aaron Rodgers. Court, yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers. Don't get me wrong, but he's going to be what 40, 39, 40 next year. I know, and he hasn't played his best football since probably two years ago, right. a year ago, and, but and coming off a torn Achilles, it's it's no, a, I know. it's it's a tough call. Yeah, it's a tough call, but. Um, th- this is this is the formula a lot of teams use. They, you take the quarterback like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in their last couple of years, 
you surround him with a great defense and a solid enough offense, and you just try to win a championship. You're not building a, a dynasty like New England or the Cowboys of the 90s with Aaron Rodgers, but you're trying to catch it where it's hot now. This good young team, mo- most of whom are on friendly contracts and 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 win it this way. And then, again, maybe from there, Aaron Rodgers retires, wins the Super Bowl next year, and Zach Wilson takes the team back, and everything's yeah. good. But that's, yeah, that's typical yeah, Jets I think fans. with the playoffs for the Jets, you always thinking ahead. you got to remember you're in the AFC. Mm-hmm. The AFC is probably it's probably the toughest it's ever been. Right, but I, I do think the NFC is top hev- heavier at the top right now. The Eagles, the 49ers, the Cowboys, like those are three very, very – solid teams i don't think any team in the afc is unbeatable i don't think the chiefs the ravens even the bills or the cowboys are unbeatable i'm sorry or the dolphins (laughs) not the cowboys are unbeatable in the afc now right you know i I could agree with that but i think if you catch the chiefs on a good day i don't think anyone's beating them right yeah but but also afc i don't think like the cowboys they got beat by the cardinals i don't think the eagles are as good as they were last year you know they they don't have that they thing. haven't lost yet though so no yeah no no they're still and very the good the cowboys yeah, yeah that was a weird loss but those are three very very good teams yeah. and i would say they're the third best of the three i think philadelphia is the best the niners are the second best in the nfc i think right the now. niners are the best you do yeah, see I that's why it's going to be ch- i think hard. they got a real chance to go all the way there right, we'll see they do have a chance you're right all right, this was not. This was good. Yeah, I feel like we'd have talked longer, but Preston's telling us we have to wrap it up. Yeah. he's in charge. Yep. All right. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for Send having me. Off. Good. Good. All right. Thanks for listening to the Torch Report. We'll see you next week.